Hi, welcome to our podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and of course with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellham. And we are really excited to talk about this podcast for many reasons. Uh, one being that one of the three of us has a passion for golf. Um, Which one? I don't know. Hmm. Mary. Whoever talks the most probably today. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the second thing is, is that we've actually uh, did one podcast and written about Tom, actually wrote about the PGA and Live Tour. And we think that there's a lot of lessons here, even from a B2B standpoint, as you look at mergers and, you know, how do you brand yourself and what happens if you're trying to sell into another company that's doing all this. So there's a lot of things that we're looking forward to, to kind of looking at in different ways for you. And hopefully you'll take some, some good nuggets away. So Tom, because you are our golfer, you are appropriate to kick us off. Yeah, well, I mean, I think can I say he should he should tee us off, Mary? Technically, yes, he should. <laughs> yes, here we go. But not not like you would tee it off from Britain, right? No, that actually talking of which, cheers. <laughs> I got all the props ready for whatever. And those of you not watched on video, I I have a mug of finest English tea in my hands as we uh, speak. All right, Tom, you're going to tee it off, Tom. <laughs> and yeah. Um, there's a famous thing in golf called the first tee jitters, you know, right before you have to hit that first shot. And I have it right now. I have for, I don't even know what I'm going to say now. A very, very, um, very teed it off is say, you know, we're talking about the, the, the big, big, big recent news that the PGA tour and live tour, uh, golf, um, professional golf tours have merged, which is really, really surprising. Really, really big news happened so fast after uh live kicked off we we sort of predicted this we talked about this in our last podcast and i mentioned some stats that i had seen about 18 challenges to major sports leagues over the last 50 years or so and uh the only you know the the two leagues the champion and the challenger leagues never co ended up coexisting there was either a merger or the the league failed and but we there's no way that we could have ever predicted that this would have happened this fast so it'd be interesting to talk about you know our reasons our speculation why it happened this fast what are the ramifications for you know the the, the golf fans what are the ramifications and implications to you know the players and the leagues themselves so let's maybe just start off with why we believe i'll ask sean to maybe talk about this a little bit why we believe this happened so quickly i i I don't know is the short and full answer this is all speculation at this point i've got to say when things happen very quickly and very unexpectedly there's often a a reason behind it that's not so obvious. There's usually an undercurrent of a reason that forces these things to happen so quickly. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out. I've got to think that the driver wasn't some well-considered view of what was best for the sport. I happen to think this will be good for the sport of golf in the long run, yeah. but I don't think that was the motivation. I can only speculate that they were suing each other and counter suing, there was a lot of bad press. The PGA was using this dirty money uh, uh, approach to to this, the Saudi investment fund and criticizing the human rights record. So it was quite a dirty fight. Uh, the PGA were being sued, sort of like an antitrust 
basis for locking up and and preventing free market and competitiveness. Neither of these are a good look for anybody, regardless of whether they would have won or lost the court cases. They could both easily afford to finance the court cases, but to what long-term reputational damage? And maybe they just both lack the appetite for the fighting on these different fronts. And that's what drove it. Maybe it's a marriage of convenience. Um, (laughs) But like I say, who knows? I, I, I would you know add, I, agree. I agree. And I would add to that, Mary, before you, you um, jump in here is uh, I think from the live side, so from the PGA tour side, I do believe that they were sort of maybe losing the fight a little bit um, again with, with, for the reasons you mentioned, Sean, you know, it was just a dirty fight and, and um, you know, there was just a lot of bad, bad press um, PGA Tour was looking heavy-handed, but let's not underrate the fact that the Live Tour had no TV contract yet, and it looked like they were going to go into their, you know, second season without a TV contract. So I think that both sides were dealing somewhat from a position of weakness. What do you think, Mary? Well, you know, we were talking about this, and, and this is what you wrote about in your article too. Is is wargaming is um, is a technique that companies use when there's a lot of different paths that they may consider, or there's threats that they're trying to consider. And it would have been fun to do a war game with them, and for them to like look at the capabilities and, like you said, the contracts that were out there. And say, oh, all the things that we need, you have, and all the things that you have, we need. So, you know, if you put the two pieces together, it actually kind of completes themselves. Um, and that's what, like, we were working with a dental company, and that's that's what they came down to. They they realized that one of their big competitors was worthy of just joining forces with, and they they really did do that. So, um, I think this happened faster than I than I had thought it would, but you know, yeah. things play out. Sean, when you were saying how they had been uh, positioning so hard on dirty money and locking up, you know, these two. So I'm really curious to watch and see how they reposition all of that. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe the money wasn't so dirty or maybe they did. You know, it'll be interesting how much they pivot that combined positioning now to make it something hopefully that is back with the customer in mind. Because There's an interesting it, point there. Mary, in terms of business generally, we're always, we're always trying to extract lessons out of these events. And one of them is, is that once you've set a position, be it for your product or your business or your service, and once it takes root and you own that, we talk about owning a space in the customer's mind where, where there's there's a vacancy, right? You own that space. But once you've got that in there, it's really hard to get it out. So when you are being, if they'd have, if they'd have known or, or suspected that this marriage would happen, they would both have used slightly less abrasive language, I would think, because now they've got to try and, to your point, unwind. So I think the lesson there is whatever your position is, when you start to invest in your position, um, you're going to own that for a while. You can't just erase it. You know, it sticks. So, yeah, but it's an interesting point, isn't it? It'd be a very awkward first board meeting. You know, it's like when presidential rivals candidates argue with each other and then one of them wins and the other one has to support them you know that sort of approach it's a similar thing to that isn't it you all the mean stuff you say you've got to row back and say you didn't really mean it 
So that I, would, wish, would be I wish there would have been more war gaming on the side of the PGA Tour because I think they just totally weakened their position, right? If you look at all the numbers, stuff I mentioned earlier, 18 challenges, the major sports leagues almost never, ever, ever works. The PGA Tour was in an incredibly strong position. But what they did is they validated the live tour by fighting, by, um, you know, not letting the players that that jumped over there play in, play in their tournaments. I mean, I think if I, I think if, if they would have um, just uh, taken a, a, a more, you know, live and let live approach, they, they might have eventually, you know, won won this fight. But ultimately, I do think. The winners in this whole thing are golf's fans. There is this little issue of sports washing, and there are people that are just going to be left with a bad taste in their mouth because of the Saudis' um, you know, reputation and human rights history. But ultimately, what ends up happening here is if you focus on the end user, you focus on the customer, the people that pay the bills, what they want and what people have shown in sports forever is they want and will support the best league in the world with the best players. And this whole thing had fractured, you know, uh, the PGA and the Live Tour were both kind of, you know, leagues with half the talent. And ultimately what this does is bring all the talent back in one place so people can watch the best players in the world fight it out and the and, and the winner is the best in the world. And so when you know, all of blows over, fans will win. And that's ultimately, you know, why all's well will end well with this after some blowback period that we'll have here. I think the, uh, the, the uh, another, another lesson, there's plenty of lessons. Another lesson, I think, is that both sides didn't really have a grasp of the sources of their competitive advantage, which is really what you need to have a real sense of what, what, bedrock you're built upon they had the players you mentioned tom that they're the the best players in the world the pga had those by banning them they were actually shooting themselves in the foot to some extent rather than embracing them they also had that um the credibility they had the embedded into the grassroots they had the tv rights they were very good at running tours and so they had a lot of competitive strengths but they start they didn't really leverage them and in fact in some cases in particular by banning some of their superstars from playing in the pga they they worked against their own best interests so one lesson is you always got to have a, a strong sense of who you are in terms of whatever business you're in what is the core strength that you've got to leverage and protect and build upon the saudis money i mean that's all i can see at the moment yes they had some ideas about shaking up the format and a vision on increasing the reach of golf by having these um more more of a spectacle in some of the tournaments but that was it and it it, it seems like the merger if it's a merger of equals then i've got to feel that the pj sold themselves short because they seem to have more of the Trump card. That's how I see it, but I, I'm not a I'm not well versed think, in that yeah, world. Time. I think they've squandered the strength that they had, and 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 again, ultimately, I think they'll win. But they're going to have a period of extreme pain. The extreme pain is this: the losers in all of this are the loyal PGA players, those that eschewed the Saudi Arabian. Sean, you were mentioning before the the podcast that 
Rory McIlroy was offered 500 million and he became the, the spokesperson for loyalty to the PGA tour. These players, they're absolutely livid. And the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the PGA Tour's cold-hearted, probably, thought process here was, so what? Where are they going to go? This is now. They, they don't have the live tour to jump to anymore. This is the place where you got to be if you want to compete at the top levels for the top money. So they, you know, they, they, they took the decision that they were going to do this without, seems, without um, significant consultation with the players. And many, many yeah. players are upset. And, and that's going to that's gonna make life hard internally at the PGA Tour for a while. And Can I just say, it's, it, it, in, in the contextual basis, a very good use of the word livid in this context. Tom. Can I just say? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to agree that in with there, you. But I thought it, it, it needed commenting on that. Was, that was uh, <laughs> quite literally livid. They, they so, Sean, um, you had said about core strengths. One of the things that that strikes me is that um, companies kind of rest their laurels on their core strengths, and they kind of become become has-beens. And so, what I think is interesting is is that Liv kind of pressured the PGA and goes, "Hey, you old guys over there, you know, even if they weren't able to pull everything off, they pushed the buttons to say, you guys aren't innovative. You're, you know, you're old, you're, you're getting boring. Cause even the contracts that they had, the PGA had were not as robust as what they had in the past. So, so I think that, um, you know, one of the big things is, is can you keep your eyes open so that you don't just completely stay with your core, but yet you look to innovate and live might yeah. push the PGA to be more innovative now and look at themselves different. Right. I mean, complacency kills, right? And and in the the the, the well-structured free markets that we're all used to, if your business is lackluster, if there's a better offer that you can make to customers, a, a direct or an indirect competitor, then they will beat you in the marketplace. So you have to be always refreshing, always looking over the horizon. And that's competition drives innovation. It's as simple as that. And because the PGA had got in this very happy sense of, of owning a, 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 a one and a half billion revenue outfit, you know, 72 million retained. It's not profit, it's a non-profit, but uh, re retained income or whatever it's termed. Very not, no incentive to grow. And really, there's a huge potential. So what, what Liv have done is been that competitor that's come into the market and said, there's a lot more we can do with this. And if they'd had shareholders, it would have affected the stock price, right? That's how these things work. So I think it's another lesson. Uh, well, repeating what you said, Mary, you can't get complacent. You, you have to always be, if no one's knocking at your door, then do that destroy your own business mindset that we've heard about before. Start thinking, how would I tear down my business? What's next? Where's the innovation coming from? And always be expanding and, and, and pushing your business along. Don't wait for someone to come and start snapping all, at your heels. All great lessons. I Another thing, if I could just throw it out there, that this very rich story brings to mind is it seems like the, the nature of competition is changing. More cooperative ventures keep popping up this is a cooperative you know a merger is the ultimate cooperation between two competitors and we had talked about things like polls um allowing amazon returns to be processed 
in their stores. And we talked about coopetition. And it just seems like this merger happening so fast after the competitive threat first, you know, presented itself to the PGA Tour um, points towards uh, this this coopetition as being something that's really important to look at in your business. You know, there's ways to uh, move things forward for your customers that don't necessarily always involve absolutely destroying your competitors. Companies are looking at ways to form these alliances with even co co competitors, what would be competitors in the past, to find new ways to, to bring new value to, to their, their company their, to their customers. And it's something that absolutely has to be considered by everybody watching this podcast, I believe. There's another angle too that um that completely, you know, we're talking about these two companies. Think about the industry of of these two companies that is supported. Um, I have a friend that has a, a really re reputable clothing company that supports some of the live athletes. And uh, yesterday I saw him and he said, we're in trouble because because of these two coming together. Now, some of the people that they were sponsoring are getting the big contracts overall, you know, from, from Nike and, and there's other ones. So it shakes up, you know, we always talk about trends. This is a huge just shift to all of the suppliers of those two, the, of those two to say, now the game has completely changed and very quickly they have to, they have to pivot and do something very different. So. And it's all happening so fast these days, you know, again, that's like sort of a trend that's that technology has has brought to the world, right? It just seems to speed up everything, including, you know, how how industries and marketplaces kind of play out over time. It's just becoming more and more compressed, which means, you know, you don't really have as much time as you used to to think through strategically what you're going to do. You've got to you've got to do it now. Uh, you 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 need to have trend discipline now. You need to war game now. You need to invest that time. You need to do what we call going slow to go fast because it's going fast without you. So go slow, slow down, get in the rooms, invest some time and thinking strategically through these scenarios because you don't want to be caught um, in, in, in a situation where you're just surprised and you don't know what to do. And then your, your, your reactions become you know, less impactful than they could be had you had you had these scenarios thought through and your strategic scenarios kind of developed. So, Tom, are you saying golf is the fastest game in town? <laughs> the business of golf is the fastest game in town. It still takes five hours to play 18 holes. <laughs> they, are, they aren't rewriting the rules at, like they are in baseball, huh? Well, you know, we should... <laughs> I, I always... Go ahead, I always like to bring cricket up at some point, but if, if we're going to have a competition for the slowest sport on the planet, can I just say cricket? And that's five days, and you can still have a draw at the end of it. So come on, that's it's incredible. Baseball, <laughs> it's maybe a, maybe we uh, we could uh, talk about this in another podcast. Baseball has done a great job. Finally, you talk about a, a support a sport that had its head in the sand. Uh, the way that baseball has sped up their game this year is is meeting with rave reviews from the fans. So maybe that's another another subject someday. Yeah, even though yeah. they're not selling as much beer, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have to we have to sign off now. But um, obviously, we're very very passionate about just this idea and 
Um, and we hope that you're going to do something today to think about how to be more competitive because, you know, the world is shifting very fast. And even if you have to like join forces with your competitors. So um, good luck and thank you. Thank you. Thank you.